You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And there's no way I can possibly give this a decent review. It's even worse than when I reviewed Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. The backlog of complaints I have here is so huge. I hate Zack Snyder as a film director. 300 was an iconic film. It was never a good film. Watchmen, ironically, his most complex attempt at a film, it's, it's like Zack Snyder's and Michael Bay of comic book films. Watchmen, his most intelligent and complicated project, was brilliant. How that happened, I don't know. Legends of the Guardians, rubbish. Sucker Punch was unwatchable. Good ideas always in his films. And then came the DC Universe, which has been very much maligned, and he was very much central to. Man of Steel, I have changed my opinion of a little bit, but it was still a very dour film. Um, Batman vs. Superman was awful, a turgid mess, and he was responsible for that. And that's when the owners of the DC Universe started to get really, really worried, because all the films were getting such terrible reviews, and he was involved in Justice League, and then his, I think, daughter committed suicide and he pulled out of the project and it was then completed by a different director. And uh, ever since, we've been spammed by this notion of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It has been the most annoying film over the last two years, five stories a day, five stories a day on Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't care. And it just wouldn't give up. It was initially a joke or something, or the fact that these DC fanboys just can't let go, the fact that the DC Universe films are so bad next to the Marvel ones, and the idea that this terrible director could, with one decent film to his name could actually come out and do anything different to what was presented. Justice League was terrible, and the idea that he could recut it somehow and make it a good film, completely pointless, Eventually, the studio actually got behind the project. They spent $70 million on this project. And, I mean, I hate Zack Snyder's films, apart from Watchmen. I hate the amount of attention Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut has got over the last two years. It's been interminable. I haven't even heard a new film talked about so continually. And uh, the DC Universe films are awful. So there's nothing going on here. I even told a friend I was going to review this film and give it 0 out of 10 and not watch it just out of spite. So I did watch it. It's four hours long. It kind of represents a new paradigm in filmmaking. It isn't a director's cut like we've seen before. The director's cut came out in the 1980s primarily with Blade Runner primarily for films where studio interference may have impacted on the final vision of the director. Very quickly, Hollywood got wind of the fact that they could repackage and reissue, as The Clash said, a, a film just by making it 20 minutes longer. And it became a farce. And the notion that a director's cut is always better is complete fallacy. Many directors have come forward and said that they're, they're not. The, the version that went to cinema was the perfect version. Aliens. I gave 10 out of 10 to the theatrical cut. I have seen the director's cut. It's not as good. The stuff that they put in, they should have taken out. It worked. Now, this is a completely different kind of director's cut. This is one where they've actually filmed entirely new footage, where they've changed the tone of the movie. A lot of the time, movies are made in post-production. 
And certain films, Pretty Woman, for example, started as a very serious drama about Julia Roberts being a drug-addicted prostitute and coming off drugs. Somewhere over the course of that and towards post-production, where they often reshoot scenes, it became a romantic comedy. And the entire film shifted. That's kind of what happened here. So Justice League was about all of those elements of the DC Universe coming together in one film. Aquaman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the running around fasty thing and the cyborg that no one cares about. Um, all coming together to fight one of these Thanos, very Thanos-like, Steppenwolf, the villain. Um, and it was a very lackluster story. Its tortured development showed in its very incredibly messy, virtually unwatchable screenplay. It had a much lighter tone deliberately and jokier tone than the very turgid Batman versus Superman. And it was awful. It was actually even worse than Batman versus Superman. Now, I have to say, I was really surprised by this film. It has a number of really good things to say about it. Um, firstly, it's got this weird ass uh, aspect ratio. Like The Lighthouse, it's square. You think this film, which already cost several hundred million dollars and another $70 million on top, having this aspect ratio that's quite square would be a disaster. But it works really well. The thing that really, the, one of the things that struck me the most is this is one of the most beautiful superhero films I've ever seen. If you think you're just getting different scenes shot in the same style as the other one, you aren't. A lot of the cinematography here is new, and it was shot specifically for this. It's one of the most artistically beautiful cinematography and effects-wise superhero films I've ever seen, in that aspect ratio as well. It looks like nothing else. The special effects in the original Suicide Squad were really ropey. The CGI of the main dude and all of that. The, the, the main dude is still pretty rubbish, to be honest. Steppenwolf is still not a great character, and the CGI on him isn't great either. But he's improved. But the rest of the visuals are stunning. It's incredible to look at. The fact that it's four hours long ends up being its best point because it ends up having a lot more time to, th to express things. Um, we do get backstories for all of the main characters that make their motivations actually mean something, which are, were cut out of the original. They made it down to a two-hour film maximum. So we do get a much broader palette of emotional range from the, these main characters that were goofy nobodies in the other one. Um, but we get this story that unfolds at such a singular pace and we get no and this is what what's most special about it it doesn't resemble the marvel universe because it, this is such a, a slow-paced film that it is it's got no bombast to it which is a great thing because it actually does spend a lot of time talking and having more lyrical scenery shots and um, and actually expanding on the world, that's what's great about it because it doesn't need to go from action scene to action scene to action scene and just relentlessly hit you over the head with a 40-minute battle at the end. It really takes its time getting there. I love that part about it. It surely does drag at times. But again, I felt this was a new paradigm. We haven't had any film like this in the super modern post-Iron Man super, uh, superhero world. Not a four-hour film. 
and the tone of the jokey original is completely eradicated and it is actually played very very straight i like ben affleck in this film i don't think he's well cast as batman i said this before i buy christian bale as a billionaire's son i buy michael kane as a working class butler I buy Ben Affleck as a working class butler and I buy Jerry Irons as a billionaire's son. He, he isn't a good cast. Uh, he isn't good casting for Batman. But his performance here is actually is good and also benefits... Even though it's a serious film, it is nowhere near turgid like Batman versus Superman where both Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill uh, competed to see who could become the most morose, intense and personally afflicted character in movie history, which was torture for me to watch. Here it is. it does have brevity, but it's brevity that's earned because it has lots of serious parts, it has intense parts, it has more light-hearted and jokey parts, and it has the time to let those things unfold naturally. I really like the use of music in this. It's got the original soundtrack by Junkie XL instead of the incredibly bombastic one that went out with the film. And he does a really good job. Um, I did find myself thinking of epics like Lord of the Rings a lot when watching this. Um, and the music choices in it were quite startling. Um, right near the start, you get um, Amy Adams mourning the death of Superman because he's dead for most of this film. And it feels like he is dead for far more of this film than he was in the theatrical release of Justice League, which is good because I don't really rate Henry Cavill as Superman and he only appears like sporadically at the end it's just like he's not in most of the film um they use Nick Cave's uh, Distant Sky which was one of my tracks of the year an incredibly powerful song uh, but some people have said it's cheesy in this film I was just stunned that this appeared because Zack Schneider's daughter committed suicide Nick Cave wrote this after his son died and it, I found it actually really, really poignant and an unexpectedly great choice of music. The original film I nearly switched off because it used this terrible Leonard Cohen cover of Everybody Knows at the start just after Leonard Cohen had died. And I found that so trite that I nearly didn't watch the film. This time, the first time I noticed music, it was Nick Cave's Distant Sky. And he uses a track from The Boatman's Call at a later date. So visually, it's absolutely top of the tree and unique looking. Um, the pace and the tone and everything may be long, but I enjoyed it being so different to other superhero movies, and the characters are nowhere near as grating as they are. I don't know that the story itself would be so amazing, but it's not pummeling towards this denouement of a two-hour movie. Everything exists in place, so it doesn't really need the story as much, which is a weird thing to say because it's twice as long. But it isn't like it's a rock song that's racing to the end. It's more like a classical piece of music, pretension alert. So I really liked it. I'm, I'm always honest about films. I gave Sears Music a good review a week or so ago. Um, so there were lots of things I really liked about it. I thought it was a new paradigm in filmmaking. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed the progress of the story. The most surprising thing for me the denouement that takes up like the last third or last quarter of the original where Steppenwolf is sending these wiggly worms out into the universe and um, coming out to take over the world and Batman's and the crew are racing to save this Russian family and evacuate the village and it's all in daylight. None of that happens. It's not even in the film. It's amazing. It's complete. The final quarter is completely different to the original film, the way the story pans out. 
And the introduction of Darkseid as this guy that's coming to Earth is all very, very different. And the denouement is much better handled. It's um, it's it, bizarrely that that very final bit is much shorter. They don't pad it out for forty minutes because it takes so long to get there. But it happens in a reasonable time frame. And I didn't find it stupid or bombastic as the original. So I really like Tex Snyder's uh, Justice League. I can't believe it. Um, a lot of good things to say about it. A unique superhero film. And weirdly, the two heaviest weight projects that Zack Snyder... Well, not Batman vs. Superman, because that was terrible, but probably the two most intelligent films he's had to deal with uh, on every level are Watchmen and this, and they're his biggest successes. So I have kind of changed my mind about Zack Snyder if he is allowed to make films like this and not like Michael Bay. Shockingly, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I'm going to give 8.5 out of 10.